This week on the Sport Blokes. Well, actually, bit of a weird one this week. Let's just skip the intro. Greetings to you wherever you may be around the world. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, a great festivus for the rest of us. Whatever you happen to be celebrating, even if it is just time off work, or if you are working, I hope it's not too bad. Great to have you on board again. Bit of a different one this week and a bit of a quicker one this week. So we pushed this back as late as we could in order to see if we could record an episode this week. Obviously, there's so much going on, not just the World Cup. There's been coach sackings, there's been scandals, there's been all sorts of crazy stuff going on. And I know that Paul Stewie was champing at the bit to try and get in front of a microphone. But unfortunately, the poor bugger is not only crook, but he came down with appendicitis. So he's had some major surgery recently. So we did do our best to try and get something down, but unfortunately, that wasn't possible. The good news is, though, we do still have some new stuff for you. So we had to pivot a little bit. We've cobbled some stuff together. We've got some bonus bow and some additional Alex for you this week. So we've got some stuff that was kind of left on the cutting room floor, kind of was maybe going to appear in future episodes. So if you haven't heard episode 128 with Bo yet, here's a little taste. I had a chance to work with James Worthy. So I got, you know, you got to meet your hero, which was really cool. But he's the last guy that was ever legitimately and surely better than Michael Jordan while on the same team as Michael Jordan. James Worthy was the best player on that team, no question about it. John Morant is massive for us right now. John Morant is an incredible highlight machine, so he makes my life very easy. The question you just asked me now, I hadn't even thought of it until this moment, but I'm sure that will be the number one play on the top 10. The folks down at the NBL got in touch with me and said, would you be interested in doing our top tens? And I was incredibly flattered. I sent a note to like one of the heads of the NBL, like, why is Chris Golding not in the NBA? And they gave me like a long explanation uh, of what's going on. And then I started it, you know, I go to summer league every year. And I started cornering, you know, like GMs, like, what are you doing? How are you missing this guy? <laughs> if you listen to me do a top 10, I sound like a lunatic. So I'm not going to bed right after that. So I, I, I go downstairs and I turn on the TV and pop, there's an NBL game. So I'm watching the NBL game and I'm sharing it with folks here in the United States. And I can tell you, there are people in the United States that enjoy watching these games. And I imagine Perth fans were like, Heck, we got the guy that helped North Carolina get to the national championship. We're set. And it didn't happen right away. So there's some frustration. Yeah, the sports business classroom, it is the most fortunate uh, career twist that I've had. I just feel so lucky to be a part of it. I'm doing the top 10 with the NBL, but I will say this. Stay tuned for more. I think Ooh. that we may be doing... More stuff with the NBL. I may be joining in a in a bigger way soon. There, there's just there's just some irons in the fire right now. Uh, and I will tell you this: the more I watch the league, the more I become interested in it. The more I feel comfortable talking about what I'm seeing from my what thirty years, nearly thirty years, uh, watching basketball as a media professional. So uh, we hope to make this happen. I, I would say it would be in the new year, but um, I'm really excited about it. I really. I never thought when I began this journey with the NBL that it would become uh, this important, this exciting, and that this connection between the NBL and the NBA would be growing and and working so well, and that I would get to be 
a part of connecting those fans from across the ocean. Now, actually, if you haven't heard anything yet, that is merely a taste. Go back and listen to 128, The Goat Mentator. It's a fantastic conversation. We talked about a whole range of things, as you can hear there, and more. So if you haven't heard it already, hit pause now, go back and listen to episode 128, and then you can come back to this one afterwards. We do have some additional audio here. Now, some of it will be recognizable initially. What we did was ask both some NBA draft-related questions to put on a future episode. So some of you might know episode 107, where we had the thoughts of Alex Loughton, Peter Hawley, and Brad Rosen giving us some insights onto the last NBA draft. We plan on doing another one again for the next draft. Obviously, that's quite some time away. We'll still have some of these bow responses in there. But what we noticed was it was a very kind of circuitous conversation. It was more of a conversation than an interview. And so we did kind of retrace old steps a little bit. We went around uh, a little bit as conversations do. So some of this would have ended up on the cutting room floor anyway, because some of the NBL stuff would have been relevant to that future draft episode. So yes, some of this will appear again. But there is some stuff here that otherwise probably would have ended up on the cutting room floor. So yes, at the start, you'll hear some familiar stuff if you've already listened to episode 128 about Luke Travers and Kai Soto. But then Bo talks about some other prospects and also the Duke versus North Carolina NCAA basketball rivalry, which is quite interesting too. So here we go. A little bit old, at least 10 minutes of new here, I think. So check this out. So I guess from one wildcat to another, we did want to talk just a little bit, I guess, about Luke Travers. Now, there's been, I don't know, what would you say? Stuff in the media, stuff on social media as well. Probably a little bit from me as well. But I've sung his praises a lot more than Stewie. Stewie's been a bit more skeptical and maybe with reason, maybe with reason. <laughs> so this is all your fault, right, Stuart? <laughs> it, is. it is absolutely my fault. But, but he's Wonderful. obviously got drafted by the Cleveland Cavs in the second round last season, which is great. Do you? I saw him in Las Vegas. Oh, you did, you did get to see Oh, great. So yeah. what have yeah. you made of his game? And do you think his game translates to the NBA? I do. First of all, just, just full stop, I do think he has NBA talent. So what I was seeing with uh, Luke this year is some growing pains. Uh, clearly, he's gotten feedback from the Cleveland Cavaliers to address areas of his game that may be deemed a weakness. So it gets a player uncomfortable to try to improve those areas. I mean, obviously, his three-point shot is an area where he is not elite, but he's taking more of those shots and you know doesn't have the results all the time because he's not yet an elite three-point shooter. But I think he has a unique athleticism. He has a unique talent to do so many different things on a basketball court. I mean, he's a wonderful defender to begin with. When I first, this is going to sound weird, I, when I first started seeing him play, the player he sort of reminded me of was Andre Kirilenko. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, no, there's yeah. been those. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I I remember I probably tweeted that out two years ago. Did I see an Andre Kirilenko there? He does a lot of things that contribute to a team, uh, and he does them at a high enough level. He is not ever, to me, going to be a 35-point-a-game scorer. He's just not a 30-point-a-game scorer, but... I think he can get better. And I think the thing is, he has those physical tools. Um, he's just a wonderful athlete. He really is. Um, and, you know, you can see that even in summer league, that this is a particularly athletic guy. I want to see him honestly push it more. 
I really do, especially like when I was seeing Bryce struggle with the workload, I wanted to see Luke Travers take more chances. And maybe he did in fairness to him. It just wasn't successful. But to me, what I see with him is when he goes out of his comfort zone, you see the growing pains in his comfort zone, which is defense, which is ball handling, which is passing. I think you see a player with a lot of talent and with the size and the frame and the mentality he has, he's got a bright future. The one thing I would also say is I wonder how he is mentally right now, because he's always been ahead of the timeline, right? This is a guy that's really talented and really going places early. And maybe this year is the first time that he has not had just ahead of the curve results. And fans are like, why isn't he performing even better? Why isn't he making the next leap? I do think he will. I just think he's just so talented that it's almost impossible that he doesn't. But I think it takes time. And I think, you know, with a player like this, there's going to be some growing pains. I hope to see him in summer league again this year out in Vegas. Uh, I remember sitting out there and literally taking the time to sit down and watch him from the front row play a quarter of basketball against NBA players uh, or at least NBA summer league players. He fit right in out there. He was fine. So he's got the talent. He's got the physical ability and he's a really smart, heady player that plays defense. So he'll be fine. Now we'd be remiss to not ask you about Kai Soto who has a very big following in our league from the Filipino community and the sure. Aussie and New Zealand fans of him too. We're fans of him. He's sure. maybe, he's there's a lot about him that makes you think he could get a shot, but do you think he has a legit shot at the NBA? I do. I think it's one of those things where fit is so important in the NBA, right? You have to find the right fit. You have to find the right team that you work with and the role that will highlight your skills. To me, he's not a 35-minute-a-game NBA player. There's a kid in Utah now named Walker Kessler who is a backup center but a defensive specialist who's particularly long, and he's found in his rookie year a role, Uh, and that role is largely paved by the fact that Rudy Gobert's not there now. So there's an open thing for him to get minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now he's, he's got that spot. And he's got those backup minutes, and all he has to do is produce in those minutes. I think I think Kai Sato has to find, if he wants to get to the NBA, and I suppose everybody does, if he wants to get to the NBA and stick, it's important to find the right role in a team that recognizes his particular skills and a team that is willing to be patient. Um, patience is so important with the development of players. And um, look, Brady Manick, he, he sort of turned good, but there wasn't a lot of patience. Jock Landell is really good this year. He wasn't really good last year in San Antonio. He was he was good enough. He made the team. I know, I know, I know it was close on him making that team, but um, he made it. And now the patience has paid off for the Phoenix Suns because he's a terrific role player there and maybe turning into more. So I just think it's fit. I think it's patience. And I think the other thing that I stressed, particularly with Brady Manic, is confidence. Once you start seeing positive results. You start to grow as a player. You start to take more chances and you have more success. And I, you know, circling it back, I hope to see that for Luke Travers too soon. Another couple of blokes that have lofty aspirations, but unfortunately have been bitten by the injury bug. We got a good look at Ariel Huckporty last year at Melbourne United. I don't know if you've had a chance yeah. to see Ryan Rupert yeah. as well. What do you think of their prospects? Well, I was I was really tough break for Huckporty to get injured, right? 
because you're getting close to your dream. And then you get a big setback like this. And I'm sure mentally you have to wonder, am I ever going to be the athlete I was again? And the good news is, yes, you probably will be, uh, but it's going to take a mountain of work. Uh, for young guys like that, just grouping them together, I think it's a ways away, right? It's not quite there yet, and particularly for Huck Porty, uh, not as much for repair. You've got you've got a hurdle to overcome, a big hurdle. I, you know, the more I get closer to the NBL, the more I wonder this: How much is the NBA the end all be all for everybody? I think the money is obviously incredible, even for the last player on the bench. But just take the case of Bryce Cotton. Would Bryce Cotton rather be the absolute man in Perth or be a guy that never gets off the bench and just is an NBA roster player in Oklahoma City? And I don't know that the answer is always to be in the NBA. So taking that theory and applying it to these other players, I don't know that it has to be the end-all be-all. There are a limited number of NBA spots. The NBA has a specific approach. They allow a few spots for young players that they think can develop to to take roster spots that may not be the best players in the world at that moment, but they're, they're sort of investing in them. So young guys in the NBL that I see, like Huck Porty, like Rupert, I I'm patient with them and I want to see them develop, but I don't know that the NBA has to be the end-all be-all to them right now. Succeed in the NBL, be very good in the NBL, and then we'll see where it goes from there. It's a really interesting question, and I think for us, having watched the NBL way back to the 90s, certainly, it's certainly become much more of a thing in recent years. If you go back to the 1990s, I mean, us as Wildcats fans... It's all me, right? It's it's all me doing these top 10. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> Absolutely. But, but I mean, we, we had guys, so we had Ricky Grace, who was a point guard with us for, God, how many years? Probably 15 years. And had a 10-day contract with the Atlanta Hawks, but nothing really came of it. Yeah, we had James Crawford from, uh, from Peachtree, Alabama, who came over here again, probably played about 15 years plus with the Wildcats. And that was quite common. You know, even Sydney, who nowadays seems to go through imports every sort of six to 12 months, they had guys like Ken McClary and Dwayne McLean. And a lot of these Americans, we had a lot of guys that would come out here and they would stay for a long time. Leonard Copeland's another one. I know he played with the Clippers and I think Philadelphia in, in the NBA, but he came out here, found a, a niche with the Melbourne Tigers and ran basically shotgun with Andrew Gaze for probably, yeah, again, another 15. And Dave Simmons, Ben Simmons' dad, of course. Yeah. So I think it is more a recent sort of thing where, yeah, Bryce Cotton's really an outlier. To a lesser extent, Tyler Harvey, you know, he's been there for, what, three years? So, yeah, I think it, it is more a recent thing, I think, where it is just be all and end all to get to America. Yeah, and well, the other thing, it may be Andrew Bogut who's mentioned it, but some other folks have mentioned it as well. There's an easy cultural transition with the shared language. Uh, it's one, It seems like a lot of wonderful weather down there. So it just seems like a great, bright landing spot uh, for people. And, and, you know, even if the pay isn't, NBA level pay. I mean, it's still a pretty good wage. Uh, and it seems like a great place to um sort of make a life for yourself. I, I started thinking about Bryce Cotton and a couple other folks the other day. And like when they retire, they live their life down there, right? Some of them do, you know. So it's 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 a place where you can really set up roots and feel comfortable and feel at home. So I know that everybody wants to be in the NBA and stuff like that. I'm my only point in saying this is. I just don't think it has to be the end-all, be-all for everybody. I don't think it's perfect for everybody. And even going back to what I was saying about Chris Golding, Chris Golding, particularly a couple of years ago, was better than a lot of NBA players. Not a few, a lot. 
but the way that they put rosters together and the way that they scout players didn't fit for him. And let's say the same thing for Bryce Cotton. I don't know that they could get Bryce Cotton now. They probably could. They could probably throw enough money at him if they wanted to. But, you know, I just don't think that uh, the way the NBA works is going to work for every player. Uh, but the other side of that is I don't think that what is it's 450 players roughly in the NBA. I don't think if you were to rank all the players in the world, I don't think one through 450 are in the NBA. I think there are better players around the world than maybe some of the last 50, 100 players in the NBA. Now, finally, your Tar Heels will face his Duke team at least twice this year, possibly three times if they face off in the ACC tournament. And I know that it's it's kind of later in the season, but have you had a chance to see Tyrese Proctor? And if so, what are your thoughts about him? I have not had a chance. I, I know that people are invested in his success. I've seen brief clips and stuff like that. Uh, but I heard a stock report. I saw a stock report that his stock is going up. Uh, so that's a good sign. Let's hope his stock goes up in games that are not against my Tar Heels. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, like, I don't know if there's a comparison in Australia to what happened in America last year. The only one I can think of is sort of Real Madrid, Barcelona and football, but the way that North Carolina went to Durham and beat coach K in his last game in Cameron Indoor Arena. And then I'm telling you, I was physically sick to my stomach when North Carolina was playing Duke in the Final Four. I didn't want that at all. I hated it. I hated every bit of it. But when North Carolina beat Duke, and this is going to sound ridiculous, it was so much more important than that national championship game, which, you know, they lost and, you know, they ran out of gas. I'm telling you, to North Carolina fans and to Duke fans, those specific groups, that Final Four game meant way more, way more than the national championship game. That's the nature of that rivalry. Um, and I just don't know that there are many others that are like it. But you guys may have an example where you'd say just beating that team was actually more important than winning the national championship. But that's the way we felt. And so for Proctor to be a part of this rivalry, it's going to be interesting to see how he feels about the experience because he's coming, you know, it's, it's different for him for sure. I mean, I don't know about you, Nath. I, I can't actually think of any rivalry. I mean, obviously we do have big rivalries in, I, I guess, the Australian football. I mean, there's, we have what okay. we the Anzac Day clash between Essendon and Collingwood, Collingwood, including Mason Cox. A lot of the Melbourne teams. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so Mason Cox, the American playing for Collingwood. Um, it, it, so that's a, that's a really big rivalry, but, I mean, again, does that come close to North Carolina Duke? And obviously that is the big one. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. I don't know if I've got an answer for that. My I just, like, I, I feel like it's it's almost unbelievable. And, and take that word very literally. It's not believable for people outside of the rivalry when I tell them, I promise you the Final Four game meant so much more than the national championship hmm. game to fans of both squads. It was like a nail in the coffin of this rivalry. It felt so good as a North Carolina fan to get both of those wins. And I felt, I, I'm not joking with you. I felt like physically, like just so stressed out and almost to the point of like, oh, this is terrible. And I didn't want to watch the final four game. It's the most nervous I've been as a fan of a game, maybe in my life. 
it was that big of a deal. Uh, and the national championship game felt like an exhibition to me. I know it didn't <laughs> to those players. Those players, it didn't. It meant it meant a ton to. But to fans, and I've talked to other fans, and I'm I'm not kidding, like big name fans uh, of both programs, and it's the same thing. Everybody that it is emotionally invested in that felt the same thing, and it was just incredible, absolutely incredible. It's funny, the schadenfreude thing. I do take pride in the fact that the Spurs closed the forum on the Lakers as a Spurs fan. So I do understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bo, as an OKC fan myself, obviously going into the draft next year, the talk is all about Victor Wembanyama and obviously how ridiculous that guy is. Um, I'll obviously get your thoughts on him as a player and a prospect, but my, my question is something that we were going to talk about in our last podcast. Now, if you're OKC and you finish outside the top two or three, how much of that draft pick war chest do you use to try and trade up to number one? Well, look, you use all of it. Victor Wimbanyama is uh, the prospect since LeBron James. I am not kidding. I was at Summer League this year. I have never seen folks drooling over a prospect like this in my life. And, you know, all, well, I'll take that back all the way back to LeBron, all the way back to LeBron. LeBron was the same way. But this is a uniquely gifted, um, he's something we've frankly never seen before. A guy who can move like that, who can handle like that, who can shoot like that, who's in fact evolving the game. He's shooting one-footed threes at we don't know, maybe seven foot five was the last measurement I saw. This is out of this world. Uh, so, you know, I, I say all of it and I sort of say that facetiously, but I sort of don't. With the players you have, if you could add Wimbanyama to that and Wimbanyama stays healthy, that's the key with him. If he stays healthy, you are a juggernaut for years and years and years. Look, you've got uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, You've got Josh Giddy. You, you hope Chet is healthy and as good as you think. You've got all sorts of players. If you could add Wimbanyama to that, I'm talking about a monster, an absolute monster in Oklahoma City. At some point, you know, you acquire all this, you acquire all this, you acquire all this. At some point, you cash in your chips. There's never going to be a better player to cash in your chips on than Victor Wimbanyama. You just wonder how many teams would actually, like, so my Spurs are in the running for that number one pick and, and this amazing prospect. And I'm thinking, it doesn't matter how many picks you throw at me. If I'm the GM of the Spurs, I think you say, look, I think we want to keep Victor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it would be really interesting to see what the tipping point Well, so think about it. Think about it this way. You, you mentioned the Spurs. How many picks? Imagine giving up, uh, you know, how many picks was Tim Duncan worth? This is a guy who's an all-timer right now. Exactly. To, I wouldn't to have traded any. Of, yeah. There's no, there's no amount of picks because exactly. there's no player like him. Yeah. I mean, that's the point is you get that sort of player that can be the dominant focus of an error or one of the two or three great players. I mean, he's you got to figure that he's worth everything, absolutely everything. And I'm not, you know, it's unfair to put all this expectation on Wimbanyama, but I am telling you, I see these people in, in Las Vegas and I talk to them. I have never seen well particularly up close i mean because i was in a different place in my career with lebron uh but to be up close with these folks and see the way that they are looking at victor Wimbanyama, people are losing their minds over this guy absolutely losing their minds so while Stewie was unfortunately unavailable to record this week it, it did at the very least allow us to play that audio for you so hopefully you got a kick out of that 
We've also gone back through the archives and found some audio from an interview that we did with Alex Loughton. Now, this goes all the way back to episode 53. It was not long after the Cairns Taipans sacked Mike Kelly. And of course, James Duncan's been sacked recently over in Brisbane. Not that things have changed dramatically since then. But we asked him about coaches losing the room. Now, this is quite a small clip. And to his credit, Alex is very cagey. I was hoping that he might give us some juicy insights into maybe some specific teams. He did talk in generalities, but I think it's still interesting and and albeit quite a small clip. It's just a bit of bonus material that might not have otherwise uh, heard the light of day. So as we're pivoting, as we're trying to get something out this week, like we always do, here's a little tidbit from episode 53. I just wanted to reflect or ask you to reflect on something that you mentioned, Al. You talked about players losing the coach's ear and it's mentioned in, in sport media so often. And I guess you sometimes wonder if that's a bit overblown, but is that a real thing? Like, have you experienced that as a player much? Well, I, I think if you lose, if a coach loses the locker room, then it's very hard to steer them in a direction if they don't want to go. If, they, if the players aren't buying in, or if you haven't, you know, as a coach, given them enough sort of reasons and things to buy in, like players, players are paid to to perform, and you should be buying in no matter what. However, there's always egos at, at stake, so you know they, they will often, if they don't like a coach, they'll they'll they're quite confident to go. Yep, yeah, no, nah, I don't I don't see that. And often you'll see it in their play. Maybe they don't say it specifically, but if I I do think it's dangerous if a coach loses the locker room. If he's not getting the eyes and ears of the players, then there's there's some issues there. Uh, and there were certainly elements of that this year. Maybe out of frustration, the players were sort of, you could see them, they were fractured. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I, have, I have seen it uh, before and uh, I, don't, I don't like it myself. I think the leaders within the team um, are responsible for, for bringing the guys in just as much as the coach and saying, hey, look, we, we all agreed at the start of the season that we want, that we want this and we've got to trust the judgment of the coach. Um, let's let's find a way to have a solution. So yeah, there's there's a if it fractures, then communication can help rebuild it. If it fractures too much uh, and it's gone, then you'll often see players sort of doing their own thing, eyes wandering during timeouts, um, you know, looking around, um, blank stares on their face. Um, so yeah, a lot of the the visual signs are very uh, easily spotted. So there you have it. Bit of a different one. Glad to still be able to get something out this week. Hopefully, we'll be able to get something out next week. Maybe a two-hour deep dive on the Salt Bay FIFA World Cup scandal. No. Uh, well, we'll probably do some silly Christmas presents again in another segment when we do next record like we do every July and December. It seems remiss of me not to say a very special thank you on behalf of Shui and myself to the aforementioned and heard Bo Estes and Alex Loughton for their generosity with their time and insights as well as a very special thank you to all our other great guests and collaborators throughout 2022. Peter Hawley, Brad Rosen, Cody Ellis. We actually last had him on in 2021, but we stay in touch and he was nice enough to give us a mailbag question when we had Pete Hawley on. The Ginger Assassin, Alex Roberts. That was a great listen, both the episode and the air guitar interview. Go back and check those out. Our fellow Perthling, Jackson McDonald was a great episode with him. Hopefully we'll have him back on again in the future. Woody and Robbie from Throwback Hoops, thanks again for the shout out on your last episode, boys. And of course, Joe and Andrew from the NBL Pocket Podcast, at least one of whom you can see at our upcoming event. Let's roll that ad. The Sport Blokes are proud to announce a very special live event coming in the new year. Full Court Fitness and the Backlot Perth proudly present NBL Podcasts Live. Nathan Stewie will be joining the NBL Pocket Podcasters 
and superfan Nick Tan, and you should too. Come watch the Perth versus Tasmania game on the big screen and then stay for a live recording of the collaborative podcast. Wildcats member? Never fear. It's an away game, so you can join us too. So whether you're a Perthling or you're in the area on January 29, what are you waiting for? There are very limited seats available, so check out the link in the description and grab a ticket while you still can. And don't worry, we haven't forgot about you either. We've saved the very best till last. A very big thank you to you. Whether you've stumbled onto our little show and this happens to be the first time you've heard us, you're a loyal listener who jumps on to hear us talk bollocks every week or something in between, we thank you very much for listening and hopefully you'll continue to do so in the future. We'll do our best to release something soon, as I mentioned. In the meantime, happy holidays. Stay safe out on those roads. We are the Sport Blokes.